You are listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams. In this episode, we are discussing a one-shot special in the Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is Werewolf by Night. Joining me for this episode is the writer, artist, and creator of The Power Principle, who you can support over at patreon.com slash thepowerprinciple, Mr. New Mutant himself, Alan White. See, senor, it's me. <laughs> That's right, it is you. Before getting into our discussion, we are still brought to you by Derek Coward and the fine folks over at the Deliberate Noise Network. Head to deliberatenoise.com for more current and archived shows from the network. Alan, it is a Sunday afternoon for us. What is it that you are drinking this afternoon? Um. Well, earlier this afternoon, I did imbibe <laughs> on some honey, some honey whiskey and lemonade mix, and then I... Then I pushed back from the bar and thought maybe a little too early to be starting this. So so now it's just milk and cookies. Oh, look at you. <laughs> look at you. So you got to hear a little bit of my Foley work earlier. Um, this, is a, a, this is definitely a first for me uh, on the podcast, but this is a from Golden Road Brewing. It is a mango cart, which is a mango wheat beer. But it is uh, this is a non-alcoholic beer oh. that uh, the wife and I are trying to drink less. And so she thought, well, maybe if I have a feeling like I want to drink, I'll just get this pack of N.A. beer and I'll just have that. And that'll take care of that for me. And so? So it's and it, t- it tastes just the same to me. So I don't know okay. really what I'm missing. Um, but it's fine. We'll see. We'll see if I'm, uh, you know, as uh uproarious as normal if i get as wound up as i as i occasionally do by having the na beer but we'll see how it goes surely not this property is going to make you wound up (laughs) you don't think so (laughs) surely not (laughs) well you never know so let's go ahead and get into our discussion it is from 2022 and it is werewolf by night escape the shock the terror of werewolf by night tonight it is every hunter for themselves good luck i'll be rotting for you but one of you is a monster masquerading as one of our own i can't wait to find out what breed of evil you are In 
the IMDb plot synopsis this time, Alan, it Ooh. is not written by Disney Plus. It is by our good good pal Nick. Is how he... <laughs> we don't know anybody named Nick. <laughs> it just says uh, plot plot summary. IMDb Nick is who wrote this. Oh. Okay, Nick. Oh, I, okay. If I now it's loading. It's um, Nick Reganus. So many apologies, Nick Reganus or Reganus. Uh, but here's what his summary of the film goes like and it goes like this following the death of their fearless leader ulysses bloodstone a team of elite monster hunters gathers at the towering bloodstone manor it's now time for trackers including the cursed aristocrat jack russell and the patriarch's estranged daughter elsa to prepare for a ceremonial hunt to determine who will wield the blood gem it says a mysterious alien relic with unfathomable powers however oh, as as the fragrant scent of warm bright blood fills the oh, air the masks yeah. will fall off and on a restless moonlit night like this there can be oh. only one keeper of the sacred bloodstone who wow. will take over as the monster slayer's new chief wow <laughs> man. nick did you watch the movie my man <laughs> Slow clap for those wheels turning in Nick's head. Get it, Nick. Nick snapped. <laughs> so, wow. I don't know why Nick called it uh, the blood gem at one point. One. And I, two, I don't know why Nick said that the full moon was over everybody's head, because that, that's not so. <laughs> it wasn't the night of the full moon for that happening. Uh huh. Well, it was the red blood that filled the air, and that's what made uh, Jack turn right i mean it wasn't yeah it wasn't a no, device wasn't, at all no it wasn't the it wasn't the full moon oh boy all right so that's nick's uh that's nick's review of the contribution film. to that's the, his the... contribution that's right so tell me about your history with uh with werewolf by night or spoilers uh ahead but with mr uh, man thing himself oh yes um uh, the Peripheral characters mm -hmm. from the history of the set from Marvel's 70s, so I knew of them, but only when they crossed over into the, the superhero stuff that I like to read. Mm -hmm. So if it were the Defenders, Man Thing would, would sneak in there at times. But I was so aware of Swamp Thing in DC Comics um, when Alan Moore was writing him um, that I knew that it was kind of a, a parallel genesis of the two characters in the two companies and that they can't really track who was first with the idea because they were roommates that lived together that came up with and all this stuff, all this, all this cryptid kind of stuff. But Swamp Thing was more fascinating to me than Man Thing. Mm -hmm. So I didn't I didn't get close to the idea of Man Thing too much. Plus, Man Thing never spoke. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's only a limited amount of interest I have in a character that lumbers around the panels and says nothing. And um, Jack Russell. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I couldn't have been that interested in Jack Russell for many, many, many reasons, even though I do love the idea of werewolves. Mm -hmm. Um, is obvious by my own work in the power principle that I'm fascinated with werewolves. Spoiler, there's a werewolf in the power principle. 
but mm, it never. I, I was more fascinated with Man Wolf than I was with the Werewolf by Night. Oh, okay. What about Cap Wolf? <laughs> I didn't read the comics when I didn't read <laughs> Captain America when Cap Wolf hit this hit the scene. It, no, none of that. For some reason, the only werewolf that I really, really was into is uh, Rain Sinclair from the New Mutants. Oh, that I insist is Renee, yes. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the way that I read it. <laughs> <laughs> and so the Rain not, is still hard for me. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not unusual to think that way. I thought it was Ronnie, oh, only right. because she's <laughs> Scottish. And so I, I thought Ronnie sounded perfectly Scottish to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until somebody else said it out loud once when you're consuming these kind of this kind of media, like what we're putting out right now. That's right. Then they said rain, and I was like, rain? <laughs> How could that be rain? <laughs> it's R-A-H-N-E, raw knee. Why mm-hmm. is that? But no, they said rain. Chris Claremont said rain, so it's, I guess it's rain. I guess it is. I guess it is. So my history with these characters is pretty similar to where – I I knew of them obviously and I the most the most sort of that I've had with the Jack Russell character the interactions with him has been through issues of Moon Knight that I've been slowly and steadily still making my way through um but that's you know the first introduction of of Moon Knight was was fighting old Jack and mm-hmm. um and you know man thing I didn't really have like a, a big uh you know they would show up in a bunch of stuff uh, I remember, oh boy, it was like um, like X Men periphery characters like Leech and what, Artie was the other one maybe. Yep. And they had Artie their own Leech. little mini series that had Man Thing in it. Uh, and I remember that sort of stuff back in like the late '90s of Marvel, to where it was like, you have an idea, done, let's do it, <laughs> kind of a mm-hmm. kind of a situation. But so when this came up. Um, I didn't really know what to think about this when I when I was told like oh yeah they're doing a, a werewolf by night like a one off like a just a as you know as it says it's a it's a special presentation or it's a one shot type of a thing and um you know you see that it comes in at 52 minutes it's mostly in black and white it's directed by Michael Giacchino and Michael Giacchino is a very famous composer but this is his first uh, directing gig and mm-hmm. I was kind of like boy I don't know what to what to expect. And I watched this twice. Uh, <laughs> I watched this the first time back when we were rolling pretty steadily on uh, on a schedule. And I was like, all right, well, Werewolf by Night's probably next, so I'll just watch it now. And then, you know, the summer happens and we get busy and whatnot. And so then I watched it again yesterday uh, just to make sure I thought what I thought. <laughs> and uh, I kind of struggled with this, actually. Uh <laughs> I would have thought that this would have been right up my alley because it is a horror. Uh, it's like Marvel's horror, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's as close as you were probably going to get. Um, but I just could, I just didn't, I just didn't care about any of the characters. <gasps> I liked, I liked, except, except I liked Elsa a lot. Like I okay. thought, that, I thought that she was quite good. Everyone else. I felt like were missed opportunities and I thought it was structured kind of strange. And I thought that while Jack Russell has an interesting scene, I didn't give a shit about what Gail Garcia Bernal was doing. Like I didn't, I didn't think anything about what, like I didn't feel any sympathy for him and we'll, we'll get to the actual point, but I feel like this is another example of 
Marvel being self-conscious to where you can't just let um, things be dark. You have to have some sort of cutesy moment or some sort of like cuteness to everything. And that kind of rubs me wrong at times. And the cuteness that you're referring to is? The cuteness is, is Man-Thing's reactions. In his face. Yes, where he's like, I, I wrote it down here. It is, uh, it's when I, I put, okay, here's, here's the context, but I put the Elsa's, like, her insult comedy, I thought was good. Mm-hmm. To where she's just kind of like, you know, all these very masculine, toxic sort of males are like, oh, I killed all these people. Why is she here? Blah, blah, blah. And she mm-hmm. insults them. And I was like, oh, yeah, good, 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 good. I said, uh, so Elsa's insult comedy works. Then we get this goofy shit with the man thing's expression after she tentatively says Ted to him after that's what Jack Russell had said to tell, to call yeah. the, the monster Ted. And then he goes like, Ur? and I was like, oh, what is this? I was like, no, this is like baby stuff. So I did not, I did not love that. So anytime that he would have some sort of, like when they were trying to give him emotion or expression or trying to do something other than just have it be a monster, I was like, no, I don't believe, I don't believe a second of this. Well, so. I'll tell you why you're wrong about that. <laughs> I would like to hear why I'm wrong. <laughs> no, you're not wrong about that. But because it, that is 100% different and new in in the MCU, I don't because I can't. Recall any time when I've seen Man Thing in the comics do comedy. Hmm. He was always this, just again lumbering, shaggy, well, in D and D terms, shambling mound. That when he touched somebody that was afraid, they they would ignite, and that's not funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that that's horrific. So <laughs> so I did, I never got him as a as as a comedy character. And then when they, in the comics, kind of melded him with this, the idea of him being a nexus creature or a guardian of the nexus of all realities, well, then that just blew my mind because, you know, I'm good with the continuity of one universe. Then when you spiral out to all these different other possibilities, and this is like in the 80s, I think, Mm -hmm. that he's doing this, then I'm, then I'm like, okay, I'm, he, I'm putting him back there somewhere. He's he's on the shelf because I can't I can't really I can't really grasp what he's doing <laughs> in the swamps over this nexus thing. Is he is he whatever whatever? But when in Scarlet Witch series that we covered, when they start talking about the nexus and that she could be the, a nexus being, I then thought, oh, but 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 that man thing though. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to be and and in that um, basement when Agatha Harkness was telling Wanda about the Nexus on the walls it looked like there were vines and kind of creepers and vegetation down there so I was expecting to see Man Thing then or at least some kind of hint to, to Man Thing but comedy no it's never it never hit me as comedy so. When I saw comedy in this, I thought, yes, thank you. I like this new take on this character. I, I like the lightening up of and the comedy put in here because otherwise this is this could just be a grim 
a murder show. And mm. I'm not watching the MCU for murder shows, which is the reason why I don't like Punisher. Ah, okay, yes. So, yeah, <clears throat> I like the likeness. I liked him. I like the fact that he came on. So, well, in that scene you're talking about, he incinerated Jovan's head, mm-hmm. which was the best scream ever. Mm-hmm. And then came after Elsa, and Elsa called him out, called him his name as she was instructed. And the he whatever intelligence was inside Man Thing listened to his name and was like, "Oh, okay, I don't have to incinerate you." And I I appreciated that. That was that was done for not just comedy, but for um, showing us that there's a human or there's a personality inside this monster. Hmm. Well, I, I think my, my, I guess my issue is that I love seeing, I like the idea of them showing a personality and them showing some sort of, uh, like emotional response and like a human moment. But I just wish that it wasn't, it didn't come across so much as like Disney children's programming to me. It was, it was just like such a, a sharp turn from what we'd been seeing. Yeah. To where tonally, I just didn't love it as much as, uh, it just doesn't, that sort of stuff just consistently doesn't play well for me. Does it feel like Disney is tainting the MCU with its own channel kind of approach to, to stuff? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is really, it's one of the, times that i can remember recently like it wasn't like this was a sort of a thing in doctor strange or something um but i I mean i guess like you know she hulk was supposed to be a a comedy so it made Mm -hmm. sense to have comedy there but i guess i was just wrong-footed by the by the moment um but i do want to go back at, at the beginning though and i i really liked some of the some of this really early stuff I put oh my god I love the idea of the specials being like one shots and and the change in the Marvel fanfare with setting you up to let you know that this is going to be horror uh, based I thought that that was a lot of fun I liked that it was established early on as a Hunger Games battle royale like the most dangerous game that famous story uh, mm-hmm. but in Marvel and I but I wish it was I just wish it was sort of different in terms of the way that it it's established like we've we've got and this is one of the things that the plot summary doesn't do right i don't think either because this is like a you all are going to fight you're you're going to essentially draw uh like draw straws essentially to see who gets to go first and find this monster and get the bloodstone like mm-hmm. that's the objective, and then if you happen to kill each other along the way, then then you know so be it. And so I think okay. that I think that that's super interesting because then you get you get all of this like, you know, the monster can't be caught by these things, and you get to see whatever the monster is capable of doing. But then I'm like, well, wait a minute. So who who is that that we're supposed to be following at the early at the early uh, portions, right? Because I'm like, so it's one beast the man thing that we don't know that it's man thing yet against everybody. And we sort of know who Jack is based on the way that he's introduced. We're like, Oh, okay, this is supposed to be the guy that we're following. But then there's also Elsa and she's so charming to where I'm like, well, I, 
well, she, I thought she was charming to where I was like, uh, well, I want this character to do well. So you have a pretty good idea that they're going to either work together or it's going to be the, the two of them against each other at the end. Like those are the sort of ways that it could go. Right. <clears throat> and so then what I was kind of missing is when we get the sort of showdown and after all the preamble of the, of the discussion of Ulysses bloodstone, and then we get to the actual moment it, I felt like the whole Jack um, revealing that he's actually trying to help Ted came much too early for me. Uh, to where I was like, oh, well, now he's friends with Ted and then Ted gets away and we're like halfway through. And I'm like, what the hell is the rest of this going to be then? Right? Halfway through, Ted got away, yeah. But um, so let me once again put on my pedantic hat about not watching trailers okay because i'm gonna give you my well i will um, say that i didn't see a trailer before i watched this for the first time no idea did you have no idea no i just i just knew that it was a black and white thing and that was it and that was more just from discussion so when when gail garcia bernal walked on to he was the first character you see Mm mm-hmm and in my mind, he was too old to be Jack. Oh, so, okay. So I, I didn't think he was Jack to mm. begin with. Oh, interesting. Right? I didn't see I didn't see any um, casting announcements. I didn't see anything. I didn't know anything. So when he, he, he's coming on to, he's walking through that hallway, coming into this scenario, I'm thinking, who who could he be and what is this going to be about? And then when he comes and starts to be introduced to all these other hunters, I'm thinking, well, he's a hunter. So they're hunting the beast. The beast is evidently the werewolf mm-hmm. by night, and they're going to be hunting the werewolf by night. For a while, I thought that until, yep, that paw comes out. and Because you may notice, oh, well, let me think. You may notice that they spoke of him and his kills, mm-hmm. like 100 kills. Over 100, yeah. Over a hundred kills, but I don't remember them saying his name was Jack at that point. You know, I hear I I think Elsa says Jack at one point after, but I thought, well, no, I guess because he introduces himself to her because he says I'm Jack. By the way, uh, yeah. when, when he's in the cage after the halfway point. Yes. Hmm. So when when he is kind of stalking around looking for the beast. And he bumps into her and he says to her, let's just pass each other by. Let's not. And she doesn't really get what he's talking about. And then they get interrupted by Jovan Mm -hmm. and they get separated and he winds up on his own again. And then Ted and then this big claw comes out of the, the bushes to grab him. And he's friendly with them, with the, with that. And it turns out to be Man Thing, which I also did not know was going to be in this show. <laughs> I was delighted. Mm. I was, so, I was so thrilled that after all this time, they found Man Thing to put into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Then I've done research and found out that they have been sprinkling Man-Thing in the MCU for a while now, all the way back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s first season. Hmm. 
So after I figured out that, okay, so the beast is man thing, this has got to be our our viewpoint character here has got to be Jack Russell. But why is he so old and also, okay, also, if he's friends with man thing, then it's kind of like a monster's um, union. Mm-hmm. They're, they're watching out for each other. And I appreciated that. Instead of the old trope of werewolf by night has been captured by this monster hunter society and they've all come together and they're going to go find him and now we're going to have the werewolf picking off the hunters one by one and blah 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 they changed they changed that formula up to where the monsters are already in league and one of them is man thing do you know who did you know who any of the people on the walls were um i thought I, I thought I recognized one would be the would be the Yeti, one would be a Nosferatu vampire, and one would be Bigfoot. Mm. That's what I thought. Because at one point, right, he says that, uh, oh, I fought that guy but didn't kill him or whatever. He says something like that. And that was the that was the um, vampire looking, looking the Nosferatu looking thing. Okay. Gotcha. Because I, I remember watching that, and I was like, "Yeah, I, these are somebody, but I don't, I don't know who this is." Yeah, and I don't think. Well, the one thing I do know, because I've done some more research, is that that Nosferatu-looking thing, where could easily have been mistaken for Dracula. Okay. But um, you know, to think about werewolf versus Dracula is a classic, classic monsters fight. Um. The research shows that that shape face in in um, vampires in the Marvel um, comic book universe is called specifically the Nosferatu's, and they were created before any vampires were from Atlantis. Dark oh. magic from Atlantis hmm. made the Nosferatu's. That's interesting. So there, I guess they killed one of them or all of them, and got it got its head on the on the wall. But also to the point of the synopsis saying that Ulysses Bloodstone was everybody's leader, was the leader of of these of these hunters. I didn't get that impression. I I got the impression he was a, a revered monster hunter, mm-hmm. but. I didn't think that he was the lead, their leaders. I no. thought that they came from corners of the world in their own pursuit of fighting monsters, and they came to honor him in his death. Yeah, and it wasn't going to be anything where whoever got the bloodstone was then going to rule the rest of them. They were. It, this was like a you. You're in like a battle to where you're going to kill everybody that's there, and whoever and survives have, is the one that survives. Yeah, and if you have the bloodstone, it could give you supernatural strength and long life. Right. So one of the things that I thought was structurally strange was I like I said I liked the setup. I thought that the man thing reveal was too early for me, but the thing that was that I was kind of the most uh engaged with and thought even though I thought that the moment was good, I thought it should have come later as a return for this character, but I thought that Jovan was killed way too early. Because that's <laughs> that's the only one of the henchmen that we know at all. Right? Because, because he- 
he, had all this dialogue. Yeah, like Leorn and Barrasso and these other people that I'm seeing here, like even like Verusa, who's the main woman. Mm-hmm. She she was fine, but it's like wow, they're they're very specific in terms of like however big you think this performance should be, like go 20% over that <laughs> because <laughs> I just want you to be like a very 50s sort of screechy kind of villain woman sort of a character. Uh, so she was doing a very specific thing, and I thought that she did that well. I was just like, I don't know if I love watching this though. Um, but Jovan was, I thought that that character was good because you know he makes a point to to talk to Jack and Jack's like, Oh, I can smell the blood on your hands. And he's like, Oh, thank you very much. Kind of a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so those two have a connection. And then for that to be like the second, I think the second character killed after the Leorn and Elsa character, after they fight and she kills him. um, I was like, what the heck? Like this is, this, this is established to where it should be Jack, Elsa and Jovan at the end. If you like Jovan, then that's, that's down to Kirk Thatcher's um, portrayal of Javon. Mm-hmm. Also, the Scottish accent mm-hmm. will win you over. Will win me over every time. And he's a uh, mostly a mostly a director and writer and producer on a lot of uh, a lot of like kid stuff. They brought him on uh, out of, like a as a favor, like, hey, can you do me a do me a solid? I got this part. I'd like for you to come and do. And he's like, sure, pal, I'll do it. <laughs> I, I got um some of that backstory due to uh, mutual podcasting friends from our origins at Eleven O'clock Comics. Um, Matt Howell is the co-host of a podcast that used to be called. Um, something about the werewolf by night. Mm-hmm. What was it called? I just remember I the logo of the were- of old Jack Russell. But now it's called Bronze Age Monsters because uh. they finished the Werewolf by Night series. And through him, they have they started their podcast. They were covering the issues. They got kind of a following. And Michael Giacchino followed them on Twitter before he um either before he made it or during him making the show. Mm-hmm. And then the show gets made and they kind of get a special kind of nod. And I think that nod is kind of telegraphed in the show. Now, what I absolutely do not know is if is if Michael Giacchino had said, because I listen to this podcast, I want to honor these hosts and put this part in our show. But when Elsa and Jack are in a, in that crypt, kind mm. of, uh, mm-hmm. Jack locked it behind him and, and she was already hiding in there and they got stuck in there. I had to look at all the names of the, um, crypt stones. Oh, right? I see. Absolutely had to, because I found it fascinating. Who are these people and what, what does it all mean? Cause it's so clearly able to be read. Mm-hmm. And one of those names was Jacob Howell McDougall. Now, Matt Howell, his last name is Howell. Mm-hmm. Matt's co-host's name is Jacob Jake Balcom. Yeah, Jacob Balcom, I do believe. And um, I don't know who McDougall is. And I can't. <laughs> I can't say that for sure that that name was put up there to honor them because 
Michael had followed them maybe in production and kind of gave him a shout out. Mm -hmm. But um, if it wasn't for their podcast, I would not have known that Kirk Thatcher was one Jovan and two had also been the red haired kid in the voyage home in Star Trek Mm -hmm. uh, four, I guess it is. Star Trek Mm 4, with the whales Mm -hmm. when they go back in time. And that part was then reproduced in Picard Season 2 when they went back in time. And Seven and uh, Raffi was on a bus, and they're in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is a little bit before the... I guess the riots that was talked about on Deep Space Nine, and across this across the aisle from them is the redhead kid grown up, about to blast the same um, boombox. Oh, interesting. And Seven asked nicely, and uh, either that or somebody shot the boombox in his hand, and he said, "I'm sorry." So he played the same character twice in the Star Trek universe. And now uh, he played Javon, and yes, he brought a lot of gravity that could have lasted for the whole show, but it wasn't about them. So it, I didn't mind them getting picked off. No, it wasn't about them. I was just surprised, like, some of them that stuck around were characters that I didn't know at all. And I was like, why is that? Why is it? Why are we giving lines to a character that's killed right away? And then we have these other characters that are just, that we are no names that are just hanging out until the end. Was that, isn't that what your horror folk do? Which is why I don't like horror. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes, I mean, sometimes they do that. People, they give you the investment in a character and then they kill them horribly. Yes. Sometimes they do that, but this is, this is a villain character. So I'm like, well, okay, this guy has got to be one of the people that sticks around. So I don't know. So I didn't. I didn't love that. Uh, I wanted. I do want to talk about the things that I did really like, though. And one of them was I thought that Elsa Bloodstone's character. I thought that the way that that was um, choreographed, I thought was good because mm-hmm. it's it's a little it, like this struck me a little bit more like WWE than it did like Marvel in terms of the way that they were fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that that was interesting, just that it was slightly different. Um, because it was a little bit more, um, oh, like it was less special effects looking, I guess it was more like, oh, I, I guess I could see how a person could do that certain thing, except for once, you know, we get the transformation and stuff, stuff like that. But, um, so I thought that her little, her fights were good. I thought that when we get the actual transformation, I thought that that moment is the moment of the, of the movie for me, because, we're on Elsa's face as we see Jack's silhouette transform. Yeah. And I love the idea of just the slow push in on her face. Uh, as we, as we see the transformation and we see her sort of horror struck face. And then I liked how we mirror that later. Once there's the, uh, the, the like bunker room and there's an outside door that's closing or there's Mm -hmm. a door that's, that's closing and we see, jack in there and rather than it being like a daredevil sort of elaborate choreographed fight it's over really really quickly mm-hmm. with jack and these and these goons um but i wanted to i wanted to 
I like I wanted an extra beat in there. So I loved the idea in these sorts of films of I love the idea of cowardice. Oh. And I wish there would have been more cowardice in here because you have these goons and they they don't have, you know, any purpose in the in the film and you have these secondary villains who don't really have much of a purpose other than to be a threat that's eventually taken out. But I would have loved to have seen a security person or somebody see Jack as this werewolf and then see what's happened to everyone else and just run and just get the <laughs> hell out of there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things that in a film that uh, I'm going to be doing an episode on soon called force majeure, which is a Swedish film uh, that it deals with masculinity and cowardice and how, you know, the male role is that you're supposed to, take care of your family and then what happens in real life if a, a tragedy comes and more often than not people just run they don't do like the heroic thing they try to get out of there and save themselves uh and i i wish that there would have been a little bit more of that in a movie that is essentially marvel's horror to where you would have had the opportunity of these people to be like man i'm i'm out of here like i've seen you know this is not a world where there's not super powered creatures and what have you so it's like someone at some point should have learned if if shit goes down and someone turns into something get the hell out of there <laughs> there's well there was one of those guards that was doing a no 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 yeah he just called, he was kind of like shuffling in there right and instead of trying to leave he was just sort of like paralyzed which i did like he, and that's what made me think that's what made me think of that yeah so I mean, you know, at the very last second of his life, he realized this this is this is not for me. Mm-hmm. This is a bad idea. <laughs> right, right. I, I've made I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> yeah. So one of the other things that I really liked here was I liked Elsa's character journey that she went through, um, because we get to learn about what Jack and Ted are doing because Jack's trying to save him and they're just kind of friends and they're just trying to like hang out and. We get that moment in color where they get the very, um, what is it? Uh, what's the movie, uh, that starts out in black and white with Tobey Maguire and then turns into color? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't have watched it. It's like Pleasant Dale or Pleasantville. Pleasantville. Maybe. Anyway, so it's sort of, yeah, Pleasantville with, uh, Reese Witherspoon. And anyway, so. So we get that ending where you, you sort of realize that, oh, Jack and Ted are, are buds and they're just kind of going to hang out and go eat sushi and, and do their, their thing. And that's fine. And that's, you know, the motivation is I want to save my friend and that's perfectly valid. I liked Elsa's more because it was more internal. Like you didn't get to see a ton of her being like, and now I will be a good person. You know, you didn't get any of that kind of stuff. It was just she gets to this thing. She doesn't particularly like anyone particularly her this verusa character mm-hmm. and she wants the bloodstone she i was a little bit confused when ted escapes and she's sort of like fascinated by that because i'm like wait a minute weren't you here to kill a monster like what you know that that mo- that moment just s- struck me as so not right for me because it like hinges on everything changing from ted getting away and it was that no, no, whole. No, 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 no. She was there to get the bloodstone. No, she, well, she was there to get it, but then she, right, and then she says, "Ted to the creature that's got the bloodstone on it to Man Thing, right? right? And right. then he escapes, and she grabs the, 
Um, the bloodstone. The bloodstone. But then she like watches as he rambles off, and she's got like this wistful look in her face, like, "Oh, finally he could be free. Good for him." Yeah. Kind of a look. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That's, that's, she doesn't. What does she care about she, that thing? She's there to get the bloodstone. She's not there to kill all the monsters. Yeah, but she's a she's a she's like portrayed as being this uh, this cold and hardened woman. She so might what does be she that. Care? She might be that, but she's not her father's daughter. Her father's got this whole monster slave society. He's got all these heads on the walls. She's not in, in for all that stuff. As a matter of fact, before um, her, before her father's mistress, what's her name? Verusa. 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 Before Verusa zaps her unconscious, she says, none of you should have this bloodstone. None of you should have it. So she's she's against the entire society. She left her father's house for 20 years, and her father didn't teach her anything about fighting monsters. She learned how to fight outside of her father's influence. So when she's coming back there, she's not coming back as a monster hunter. She's coming back as Elsa Bloodstone. Let me get this bloodstone out of these people's hands because none of them should be having this. So when she's watching Ted go, she's glad that he went because she's not there to kill monsters. That's the way I saw it. Hmm. I guess I took it as she didn't give a shit about anybody but herself, so why would she care about Ted? Is the way that, you know, it's like it's like a fine it's just like a fine difference, I guess, because it's like I agree that she's not there to kill the monster, she just wants the bloodstone, but if they all happen to die, I guess I didn't see where she would have cared. So, that's, so yeah, maybe that's a part of her art that she learned how to care for Ted's escape through Jack when she was holed up in that crypt with him and her leg was cut because Jovan first came after them your your friend Jovan my guy Jovan yeah would have chopped her head clean off if um as a matter of fact he was going for Jack and she moved Jack so she kind of like saved Jack at the very beginning when Jovan attacked and then um she got I guess she was she fighting Javon? She had to be fighting Javon. Well, it was that Jack confusing Ryan. area where she's fighting this Leorn, the Asian uh, gentleman, Leorn. Yeah. And then yeah. she's also fighting Javon. She's, and there's like the decapitated hand that's got the little arrow thing on it. That shot through Leorn's jaw. <laughs> right, yeah. Ugh. And then she shot buries him. The jaw came out, the top came, came out, went through under the jaw and out of the mouth. And then she's – and what's interesting about that to me, which is where the tonal thing comes up, is so then Jovan comes in and she's kind of like, oh, shit, because she's already been in this fight, which I thought was the best fight was that first mm-hmm. one. And then she she throws the guy's body on top of her so she can seem like you know she's not there. Mm-hmm. But then you can see the Leon character like he's not he's not even dead yet. Right, he's dying. And so she's holding his, you know, she's killing him while she's hiding. And yeah. I'm like, dang, she's cold. Yeah, yeah. That she is to kill and, him and then to... And then to and then to care that Ted gets away like five minutes later. And I'm like, this is so much stuff and journey that happens in 52 minutes. I was like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of evolution going on with her character. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they gave him. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, geez, for a thing that's like mostly action, like she jumps from being one thing to another to another somewhat quickly. And that I was kind of like, I liked the idea of this, but it felt a little rushed at times. 
Mm-hmm. Well, um, that, that fight with Leorn, however, however, Javon lost his axe. Mm-hmm. That fight with Javon, I mean, that fight with Leorn, Leorn had gotten hold of that axe and sliced her leg. Oh, right, right. And so her leg was bloodied, and she was nursing it in that crypt by herself when Jack was hiding and got into the crypt and closed it and sealed them both in there accidentally. And then he showed her concern and compassion for her leg. She was at first resistant, and then she let him tend to it. And I think that was the beginning of her um, caring about, let's say she did care about nobody else but herself. Mm -hmm. But maybe that was the beginning of her caring for other people because Jack was caring for her. And because (laughs) Jack cared for Ted, Uh she learned to care for Ted as well. So this is where my guy Nick, I wish Nick was more correct uh, with the plot summary, to where I wished it was that with all of these deaths that Jack starts struggling more with being able to contain the werewolf. Nope, not at all. But instead he's just kind of like hanging out <laughs> like, yeah, everything's pretty fine. Like, cause we don't really see him even fight when he's a human, right? Right. He's not fighting. He, he's not there to fight. He's there to get his buddy out of there. And we do get the little slapstick thing with the, with the bomb that he can't figure out. Right. He, and I thought he, that that was fine. Okay, except he, he – I was kind of yelling at the screen a little bit because you have this obvious crack in the wall that he's supposed to <laughs> yeah, put this thing yeah, here. A big one, and he, like, sits it on the side instead of putting it and in. And it falls off the side <laughs> of the wall. It's like, just put it in there. Put it in at the beginning. What are you doing? Exactly. Messing around with that thing is going to blow you apart. Just put it in the crack and run. <laughs> he didn't do that. He did that the very last – like the third pass, he put it in sat it up in the crack where it sat and blew up the wall. Yeah, adrenaline makes you dumb. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I thought that, yeah, so those those main two characters I thought were were, were pretty good. We're fine. But I but so we have that, uh, we have the moment where it seems like, you know, Ted's got away and Jack's going, Jack goes to basically pick up the bloodstone and then he can't grasp it because they reveal that he's a monster Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, then once they start, you know, torturing him and, and bring out the moonlight, right? Isn't that basically what it was? It, uh, well, the bloodstone seems to activate monster powers, I guess. Okay. So what's her name? What's her name? The old the, woman is Verusa. Verusa. You know, you see, I don't have a lot of respect for villains. You mm. notice? Yeah. I Cause you don't know the names. Yeah. I refute. I, I mean, I <laughs> don't know if I refuse. Shrieking woman, whatever her name is. <laughs> I don't know if I refuse really consciously, but subconsciously <laughs> I don't I don't latch onto their names because I'm not going to give them that honor. Mm-hmm. So there. But that. whatever her face is, she, yeah, she used the bloodstone to make the beast come out five days ahead of the, of the full moon. Mm-hmm. And then they regretted it. Every last one of them. <laughs> so I thought that that sequence was good like i mentioned um i thought that the the action was nice and fun like old school wire work kind of action yeah um to where i was like okay this actually seems like a real person with weight that's moving around even if he's being you know suspended by wires at times um it it feels different to me than when i see a bunch of cgi just bashing itself where i'm like okay yeah. this doesn't mean anything to me um so I liked I liked most of those action bits. I thought that um, 
the fact that we didn't get a thing where as a monster he like is softened by Elsa to where she doesn't like put her hand on his face or something and then he's all of a sudden like Beauty and the Beast style like okay and able to control himself. I was glad we didn't get something like that, which I thought we were leading to. When she did put her hand on his face. <laughs> because she did 100% do that. <laughs> oh, Alan, I was hoping you were just going to go with me. <clears throat> Have you met me? <laughs> I could not believe when this came up. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, well, she knows better. These are, these are like hardened criminals. He's this monster. Give me, give me some real. Don't, don't give me the Beauty and the Beast. Oh God! <laughs> I was like, they're giving me the Beauty and the Beast thing. Unbelievable. But they set that up early, though. They set that up in. Well, they, first in their bonding in the crypt, and yeah. him trying to take care of her leg. And her letting and Ted out. When they're when they're together in the in the cage, and she's already resigned her to her fate that. They just locked me in here with this werewolf or this mm-hmm. monster, this mm-hmm. beast. He's going to turn into something. And when he does, he's going to kill me and I'm going to die. And I'm I'm not happy about that at all. Kind of sad about it. Mm-hmm. That one piece there seemed out of character for her. Mm-hmm. Like she was she was so it seemed like she was so horror stricken that she was trapped in there with this guy when she is a kind of badass. Mm-hmm. Why, why was she so afraid? But she was afraid to the point of crying uh-huh. while she was. So then he came to her and said, I'm sorry that this is going to happen. And then he rubbed himself all over her to, to get her scent. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So he was setting up that if I get a, enough of you in my nose and in my senses, then when I am this beast, there's a chance I will recognize you again. And that's what happened. And so she's like, you're going to recognize me. I'm going to put my hand on your face and let you know. That, you know, remember that thing you did to me in the cage? Well, this is this is the connection. Don't don't tear my throat out, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> please and thank you. Yeah. Yes. And he did not. Mm-hmm. But he didn't he didn't he didn't um, purr and kind of just <laughs> curl up in a ball at her feet. He he jumped off of her and went and killed more few more people. I just have in my notes that says, don't give me this Beauty and the Beast stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was weird. It's it's so strange in a film, in like what's barely a film, right? Because like we said, it's 52 minutes. But in this sort of, uh, you know, like a movie of the week or whatever you would call it back in the day. But um, mm-hmm. it's like I think that what Heather Quinn and Peter Cameron that wrote the that wrote the piece and what Michael Giacchino that directed it. I think what they were aiming to do. I thought that they did well. Now, does that mean that I want to continually watch this over and over? Probably not. Is mm-hmm. it like interesting to me as a, as a one-off? Sure, but it's one of those to where I'm like, yeah, I think I'm good. Even though I like, I do like horror, and I do like some of what they're doing here. A lot of it was just very kind of. It just seemed very like, oh yes, and then this, and then they're oh now and they're in their, and they're friends, and this is set up, and this is set up. It just felt a little more um, like it, it was like so cute that it was an old timey thing to where I was like it, it felt like practice for Michael Giacchino to me. Oh, well, maybe so, maybe so. I don't know. What I don't know is. Um, 
how much of the visualization was Michael Giacchino's own mm-hmm. um, design? Yeah, what versus, was him and what was the producers, sure. Yeah, the producers and the writers and, you know, who storyboarded it and all that stuff. But I but I do know that I um, there's a special on Disney Plus um, called Director by Night, by Night yeah. right? And I, and I started watching that. So I got maybe 15 minutes into it or 20 minutes into it. Well, it's just and as long so, as the whole damn regular movie is. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And the reason, so I, I wasn't going to finish it. I'm pretty sure I didn't have that in the cards at all. Mm-hmm. But the, the most that I had, that I did see was Michael Giacchino's Origins, right? Which is, he had been taping, he was taping, um, audio taping, himself and his life from like single digits mm. like he was nine ten years old and shooting all these um movies with him and his friends there in new jersey around his home and it, it, around the town they grew up in edgewater something or other which i wonder how close it is to, i wonder if it is edgewater park i think in new jersey and it had so this this special shows his films um, when he is 10, 13, 14, and his friends. So he's been doing this for a, a long time. And I would I would think, like, he is of the geek nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I, think he is, I think he's with us on the spectrum. That's what yeah, I think. Yeah. He's got to be, because he had been so singularly focused on being a film a maker from so young and and being so thorough with it and just so um, so that doing this is just a, a, like the next stepping stone towards a whole bunch more rather than um, the very first time that anybody's ever that he's ever stepped out and done anything like this. He, sure. He's just got yeah. all this different experience at doing this. And it's a surprise. It took this long for him to get a directorship. Well, I think me. I think that Hollywood does like to put you put people in certain boxes, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're the composer. Yeah, that's that's all that you're going to do now. You're just a composer, oh, or yeah. just in quotes, but you're the composer. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't see it on his IMDb, but I do know that he was announced to do another um, monster based film. Uh, that it was going to be like a a theatrical like a feature. Not oh, just a okay. Disney Plus, but I don't believe it was Marvel based, but I think it was something monster related. Oh, but it's not going to be Marvel. I don't think so. Oh well, that's nice. You tell me all about it <laughs> when you see it. <laughs> or, or get get Andrew Shaw and get on this show and and talk about it, and I'll listen all about it because I'm not watching it. Uh, it was. Uh, I'll look it up here. But yeah, so what did you think of uh, what what did you think of the way that this ends? I wanted more. <laughs> I wanted more. I I'm okay with um Ted and Jack being road buddies. Um I'm okay with Man Thing having more of a personality in the MCU than he does in the comics. And I appreciated the fact that his name is Ted. <laughs> As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. in the comic books his name is Ted Salas. Mm-hmm. And he was um 
a biochemist something or other out there in the swamps of Florida, which why, but he was, and the chemicals, him testing them out, and they caught on fire, and they caught his ass on fire, and he jumped into the swamp, and all that kind of like the flash turned him into something. But instead of the flash, it turned him into Man-Thing. So when they said, so when Jack told Elsa that his name is Ted, I I pumped my fist like, yes, it's Ted. Hell, damn right it's Ted. It's always been Ted. Yay, Ted. <laughs> so not, I want to see more of that. Not my Ted. There was none of that. <laughs> Hashtag not my Ted. <laughs> uh, now I got to look it up to see if that happened. But I, I um, yeah, I'm good with that. Plus also... The fact that um, we had the Nexus, the Nexus being talked about already in the MCU, mm-hmm. um, the name Man Thing had been said at least once by uh, Maria Hill in Agents of Shield. Since that happened, then I wanted I wanted to expand. I want to see if Doctor Strange is going to show up and kind of mess with or explore more of, or just kind of is he going to be instrumental in bringing Wanda back? Or something, um, because also the Darkhold, that book, yes, is the reason why Jack Russell has a werewolf curse in his family. Interesting. In the in the comics, so the Darkhold exists existed first in the Ages of Shield, and then it existed in our in our multiverse of madness. And it corrupted Wanda, is what I'm saying it did. And it was written by Chithon. Mm -hmm. And if all that mythology has been established in the MCU, then Man-Thing and Jack Russell, as werewolf by night, most definitely has a place in all of that mythos. Just find them, slot them in, and let's expand. Well, let me ask you this. Did you catch early on when uh, the woman that you don't like, Verusa, <laughs> when she was greeting everyone, she calls them all death dealers. Yeah. The death dealer is who? I don't know. Who? The death dealer is the villain with the mask from Shang-Chi. With that white mask that he fights in the uh, in and out of the uh, high-rise. Okay. That character is named the Death Dealer, and these she calls them Death Dealers. I didn't catch that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know if if she's making a reference to that, to where maybe that's like um, a thing that that character is also a part of, or if it's just a coincidence because of the name. Mm-hmm. So, But I thought that, and I was like, yeah, she calls them this connection to the character in Shang-Chi, question mark. So. Mm. Well, so if you wanna if you wanna pluck out some of those things, let's go back to the crypt and those names. Oh yeah. Because let me re- let me read those names off for you, shall I? Mm-hmm. There's there's a Mika Brandonin Clayla, who died, who was born May fifth, eighteen eighty five, and died February twenty eighth, nineteen sixty one. So she lived to be seventy six years old. And then there was another name that. I didn't see the whole name, but I'm going to extrapolate that the name was Jorge DeWaldus Ralph Ones, who was born July 17th, 
1880 and also died on February 28th, 1961 at 81 years old. Hmm. So he he and Mika died on the same day and he was five years older than her. So I'm wondering where they are married couple, blah, 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 blah. And then there was uh, David Long, who died in the same year, born in 1882, and he was 79 years old. I don't know what any of the, the those <laughs> names and, and uh, probably like friends of it, friends or someone that worked on the sh- on the movie. Mm-hmm. Quite possibly. And um, but Elsa got out of that crypt, got them out of that crypt because Frances Brisbane Bloodstone ah. was her aunt who died. In 1922, born 1873, and therefore was, uh, if my math is correct, 49 years old. Hmm. Died young, died younger than all these other ones, and she was crazy, and she was buried with the keys to the crypt in her in her whatever that is vault. So she, so Elsa was reaching in, burst the most flimsiest way of getting into any crypt through the name and glass reached into the vault took out body parts and then the keys which was another piece of building how badass elsa is and doesn't care to you know rummage around in a de- in, in a dead body's vault where little spiders are crawling out after you broken hold broken open the hole <laughs> that happened she was she didn't care she's talking about her crazy aunt francis Got the keys out, got out. So those are the names. Oh, and one more. Griffith Burke Wondoski, who, who, who died in 1988, and mm. he was 53 years old. So who are those people? I don't know. Um, but bring them back, or let's go into the history of why Mika and Jorge died on the same day at, at that 81 and 76, respectively. Do you think we're going to get more of this? I just gave a perfect reason why we should. But, I mean, I, I think, we, like, what about Elsa in particular? Um, yeah, why not? Because Tell me why not. I feel like the like man thing is probably the easiest because of the Nexus stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be neat to have a little bit of your sort of monster verse uh, to where you could have your moon knights and your werewolf by nights and your... You could have a little bit more of the spooky as opposed to just the super heroics. Yeah. So that would be interesting. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if Elsa showed up in the next Moon Knight series? It would be. though That one that was supposedly shot that hasn't had any reference uh, from Marvel. Isn't that right? When, Where you saw, the, you saw all yeah. Oscar Isaacs overseas. Yeah, when Oscar Isaac was in a boat. Floating. I don't know if it was on the Nile or wherever it was, and he, he used that footage to answer the question if Moon Knight was going to be shot again. Right. And there he was on the boat in Egypt, talking about, "Will this answer your question?" Oh, maybe he was on. Was he on vacation and just kind of teased somebody? Or Could be. Maybe he just liked it there when they were there working. Maybe, or maybe they just finished filming and we're going to get uh announced that moon knight is coming back in well if we are it would probably be this month as of recording because while they're not at hall h this year we do have san diego coming up Mm. 
um, so that they haven't really been too chatty about a lot of stuff. Like there hasn't been any previews about Loki coming up or Echo mm-hmm. or any of that sort of stuff. Like I haven't you... I haven't heard anything about like the Ironheart show. Mm. Uh, but but the thing that's interesting and could blow up in Marvel Studio Marvel slash Disney's face is that the SAG after a deal expires on the twelfth. And so oh. the Screen Actors Guild may be also on strike right before San Diego. Uh oh. And so well, they would that, they would have no one there to announce? promote anything except for like Kevin Feige. So they can't announce projects that well, they had. In well, the they pipeline? can announce it, but no one's going to be there. Like the actors won't show up to the to the actual press conferences and such. That's what the strike means. They can't. Oh yeah. Show- they, no, they can't do anything. Really. Uh. Uh-uh. You mean they just have to sit at home with all their millions of dollars and and they just have to sit at home like the writers currently have to sit at home and part of being in the WGA is that they have to pick it for I think it's nine hours a week, uh, uh, but then they're not allowed to do any sort of uh, writing on projects that are already going or anything like that. Right, but can they go like on um, the what Jimmy Carson show? Well, who are these people that has these television shows? Oh, like your Jimmy Kimmel and your yeah. Uh, I don't think that they would. I don't think that they would. Interesting. Maybe I should ask. I should ask some of the. Yeah, ask your uh, ask no. your Hollywood elites that you're uh, friendly with. Rubbing elbows with. <laughs> uh, Michael Giacchino is directing the reboot of the Warner Brothers film Them with an exclamation point. Oh, that's right. I heard that actually. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that actually on his Twitter, in fact. Yeah, so that's what he's going to be working on as soon as all of the... Oh, I might watch that. As soon as everything settles down in terms of labor disputes, that's what he's going to be working on. Yes, I might watch that actually. No, Well, go. no, I won't. Well, it's going to be in the same vein as this. It's not going to be like over-the-top gory or horrific, I wouldn't expect, because it's... You know, it's thrown back to a 50s thing, and this kind of has that 50s kind of look. So, Well, I mean, it doesn't really need to even have to be made then, because they already have them <laughs> in black and white, which is an excellent little film with so, James yeah. Whitmore. There it is. I watched that many times. Um, can I throw in here a, a callback to something that I, I texted you before? Um an oversight on my part. When we oh, were yes, absolutely. Part, absolutely. We're doing the mountain. What is it? The multiverse of madness. Yeah. The really uh, disappointing movie from Marvel. That Eric feels is disappointing. Very disappointing. <laughs> Where they did Wanda so wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, that we both agree on. Mm-hmm. But the, the a character of Christine Palmer, who I, I'm sure I said when we were recording, that I didn't know anything about her, or if they made her up for the movies. I'm so wrong about that. Because Christine Palmer is one of the three characters that they introduced in the series of from the 70s called Night Nurse. Mm. And Night Nurse goes on to be a prominent character in the... I guess I want to say... In the Daredevil night flicks... Netflix. Daredevil. <laughs> Let's call it Netflix from now on. In the Daredevil series from Netflix with Claire Temple. Uh huh. Claire Temple. Right? 
Claire Temple was supposed to be actually the third character in the, in Night Nurse, um, in that Night Nurse series. So there was Christine Palmer. There was do I want to say Claire Temple? Oh, now I'm all mixed up. With Rosario Dawson's character. Rosario Dawson's character was going to be not Claire Temple. Rosario Dawson's character was going to be the third night nurse who a black character. So that so night nurse was three nurses with three stories um, simultaneously because they were all working on the night shift at a hospital in New York City. And it was like romance, uh, like a romance thing. And one of them was Christine Palmer. One of them was I forget her name. And one of them. Oh my gosh. This says. This is what happens when you day drink. Here's what it says. Name them. Uh, She is based on characters Claire Temple. This is the Claire Temple character. She's based. Mm -hmm. She's an amalgam between the actual Claire Temple and Night Nurse, aka Linda Carter. Linda Carter. That's there. That Linda Carter got most of the real estate for um, Night Nurse. Like she would. She was the prominent Night Nurse, Mm -hmm. Linda Carter. Claire Temple and Christine Palmer. Now, what I'm, what is in my head right now is getting confused. Is Claire Temple's character uh-huh. moved on from if if Claire Temple was one of those three night nurses, she moved on to Luke Cage's book mm-hmm. and became a prominent character and love interest of Luke Cage, Claire Temple. Not only that, but she was. I um I think she got married to Bill Foster. Oh, the poor Bill Foster. Right. So that character got got some good coverage after Night Nurse. If she was one of the Night Nurses, and that left um the Linda Carter character. Well, well there. Well, okay. So here's what I'm. Here's what uh, Wikipedia says about Night Nurse. Tell me. So tell there's me. there's three roommates initially that bicker amongst themselves, but they they soon bond. Yes. And they are Linda Carter, Christine Palmer, and Georgia Jenkins. Georgia Jenkins. That's who was... Georgia Jenkins was the... Could you tell? Was the black girl. (laughs) Because her name was Georgia Jenkins. Georgia Jenkins. Not Christine Palmer. (laughs) Right. Georgia Jenkins. Not Claire Temple. Georgia Jenkins. And they were going to have Rosario Dawson play Georgia Jenkins. Okay. In the in the thing, yeah. And but then uh, yes, and then so yeah, then Claire was a medical doctor and love interest of Luke Cage, and then they amalgamized uh, Linda and the actual Claire Temple character for, this, for, for Rosario Dawson to play. Yeah, but okay. Claire Temple in the comics was married to Bill Foster. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. We got uh, so that's. That was yeah, we got there eventually. So that was that was the Christine Palmer. She had a story. She had storylines. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. had a like a like a love mystery thing that she had gone up to some um, some castle on some hill, following a doctor and trying to be his kind of love interest. Like she had a whole a whole series of stuff going on. And then they brought her back in the eighties as a love interest in a Nightcrawlers series. Where Kurt Wagner was being tended to by night nurse Christine Palmer. Hmm. So, 
come on. They, I, I need to do my research a lot better than what I've done. Well, before. whenever I hear Night Nurse, I always think of because the the nurse character that I always have the at the front of my mind is uh, Leslie Tompkins from the Batman universe. But this is not Batman. <clears throat> I know, but that's what it makes me think of because he's always going to see her after he's got it beat up or whatever, and yeah. she's a nurse at night. Old Bruce Wayne goes and visits her, Truth. and she's always saying, "Oh, you shouldn't be doing this." And he's like, "Lady, I'm crazy. I do whatever I want." So. <laughs> yes. So I guess the MCU version of that is when Daredevil gets beat up, mm-hmm. and he needs to get stitched up. He goes to his night nurse, but not which... Moon Knight. He's already got his, enough personalities and girlfriends and whatnot. So yes, he doesn't need to see the night nurse, even though you would think he would. No. But Doctor Strange was in love with uh, Christine Palmer, who is with, in the comics is was one of the three night nurses. Georgia Jenkins. Georgia Jenkins. It <laughs> reminds me of that uh, the old uh, video of Leroy Jenkins. Do you remember yep. this? Of course. Okay. <laughs> Good times. Good times. I showed my kid that not too long ago. And she's like, oh, my God. She's like, I'm embarrassed for this guy. I was like, no, it's not embarrassing. It's funny. So whatever. All right. Well, anything else about uh, Werewolf by Night or any other uh, things that we didn't mention in previous recordings that you wanted to set the record straight? (laughs) Not yet, but uh, (laughs) we'll see what happens the next time we record and see what else I've learned. That's right. that I left out. That is right. All right. Well, if you have any comments for the show, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. If you wanted to help out the show, you could check out our show notes or you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. I do want to thank Alan for coming on once again. If people wanted to hear more from you, get in touch with you, or purchase something from you, where could they do that? They could do that at, at New Mutant on Twitter because Twitter is Whew. a thing still for Whew. a little while. Man, longer. I don't know. Is it? Well, right now, uh, as of this recording, it is. Well, it's not working for me. Is it not? It's giving me that rate exceeded thing. What? <laughs> yeah. So it's really? not, it's like, it's barely working for me. Oh, dang. So that's why initially I messaged you on the other way that we message. You hardly <laughs> use Twitter. How have you exceeded your, come on, this I man know. is losing his natural mind <laughs> and just dragging the whole yeah look up uh, oh. rate limit exceeded and you'll see a lot of that I'm afraid to put that on my um, algorithm <laughs> don't mess with they need to look, don't mess with me Twitter Twitter has been a lifeline for me well what it is is like so there's tons of memes now going on but it's like supposedly um, your your guy Elon it says that you get about 600 page views a day and then it it turns off if you're unverified. He, he, oh. <laughs> so I set myself up for the uh, the blue sky um, trial or whatever, like the waiting list or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people doing that too. I don't know what that is. I don't know I, either. <laughs> already, what's, what's your other one that you have all the different uh, clouds and all the things that you're part of it's called um mastodon oh right right mastodon that's right i am you can also you can find me at mastodon dot oh new mutant at mastodon dot social okay i'm there and uh on 
Instagram, I'm at newmutant08. There you go. And then what about your Patreon? Patreon is be- – well, you said it at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Just reiterate. the power principle, like the pleasure principle. That's right. So it's not Pull, the power not principle. pal. It's not like you're right. not a principal. No. Principal. He's not in school. That's right. He, 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 it's the power principle of – now you've got these powers. What are you going to do with them? Mm-hmm that principle so there it is all right well thank you for listening and you can join alan and i next week as we dig into the end of phase four of the mcu with a discussion on black panther wakanda forever Uh